Hey everybody, what's up? What's going on? Welcome in to another episode of Real Sports Talk by Naraj. As always, you can find my podcast on all the podcasting platforms that are available. Apple, Spotify, Pocket Cash, or Republic, and many more. Just want to say thank you to anybody who's been listening. I know it hasn't been... Uh, easy as you know always been able to uh, check out my podcast but appreciate the ones that do seem to be listening and spreading the word i appreciate that so in today's episode i want to get into a few things obviously the second half of the nba season is going to be resuming i believe it resumes tonight if i'm not mistaken either tonight or tomorrow uh, a lot of things to look forward to. Uh, definitely uh, heading towards one of the best times in sports. Uh, we're going to get a lot of good games. And the playoffs starting up, I believe, sometime in April or May, as far as I remember. And so a lot of teams are in position. Uh, good standing right now. And the question is, which teams are going to continue to rise to the occasion which teams are going to kind of lose their steam um you know as the season rolls on so there are some things that i want to list that i'm looking forward to in, in the second half of the nba season um and i'll start off by i'm really looking forward to seeing how the mvp conversation um you know goes and is at the end of the year because there's been a lot of talk about Joel Embiid, LeBron James, and James Harden as MVP. And like I said, the MVP voting, I believe it's based on the regular season only, regular season only. And so each of these stars are in different situations. With Joel Embiid, I mean, he's been so dominant. He's led the Sixers really, really well this year to, you know, a top two seed in the Eastern Conference. Look at James Harden and the uh, and the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, Harden has assumed the point guard role. He is really efficient, averages some great numbers. Um, and he's got the Nets playing at an all-time high right now. And uh, with Kevin Durant set to rejoin the team uh, after his you know injuries. Um, it's gonna be interesting to see how that dynamic changes, but to me, um, I believe the MVP conversation is going to come down to two names. That is Joel Embiid and LeBron James. Now, LeBron James has won the MVP quite a lot throughout his career, although he could have won some more. Um, and there were some years where people really felt like, man, LeBron James didn't get an MVP. Uh, LeBron obviously shoots for a lot of goals. A lot of things motivates him. And he's always been the MVP conversation every single year just because of the way he plays. Um, and I think a lot of that, you know, is really how he finishes out in the season. And, you know, the MVP voting doesn't, like, factor in the postseason and all that. I mean, it should, but I don't think it's ever going to be that way. So it comes down to the best record, how you make your team better in the voting. And so for Joel Embiid, I mean, he's been on a record tear so far this year. Um, after the disappointing end last year in, oh, in the bubble. And so Embiid has the Sixers playing pretty well. LeBron has been doing well um, 
at the age of his, you know, at his age, what he's been able to do uh, without Anthony Davis uh, is pretty remarkable. And you know, they continue to stay like right there in the mix of the Western Conference, the top seeds there. So it's going to be fascinating to see, you know, how both of these, uh, how LeBron James and Jordan Bede will like, uh, you know, cap off their regular seasons. Um, there's going to be a lot of games coming up, a lot of things that will go to that, to that decision. Um, but we know this is like always a really enticing debate when it comes down to like MVP conversation, you know, who's most valuable player in the league, which, you know, the best record matters, stats matter. It's a lot of small factors that go into it. And we're going to find out, um, you know, how these voters feel about Joel Embiid especially towards the end of the end of this uh, second half of the season because Sixers right now uh, they are one of those teams that uh, you know definitely made a lot of moves in free agency and they are looking to win now and B has been really healthy he's been playing very very well uh, and I think for him to get even more consideration and be the one to win the MVP he's gonna have to lead his team to the best record in the Eastern Conference. And for that, he has to go through the Brooklyn Nets. So it's going to be challenging for sure. As for LeBron James, he's averaging the numbers he's averaging. Uh, his shooting probably is off um, in terms of three-point shooting uh, lately. But we'll, like I said, we'll see. We'll see how these games go because I think that it's going to come down to like how these two finish at the end of the season. Um, and... Like once again, it's going to come down to like voting, and I really hope that all the media reporters and analysts really are uh, objective and um, giving both guys their votes. And we'll see, you know, who settles it at the end of the regular season. Um, uh, you know, when it, when it comes. Now, I'm also looking forward to seeing how the New York Knicks uh, finish out the second half of the NBA season. Knicks haven't been able to be as good in the years past. There's been a lot of turnover on the roster, a lot of interesting decisions. Um, but they finally seem to have the right people in place to turn it around. And they are, I think, 19 and 18, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, look, the Knicks weren't expected to be in this position. If I knew that Tom Diblo would bring a lot of uh, good coaching and seriousness to this team, which he has, um, guys have stepped up like Barrett. You know, definitely Julius Randle um, and other guys are going to shine through as well. Um, but the the, uh, the Knicks are going to be hitting a very like difficult stretch of games uh, in the second half. I don't know if it's towards the starting here or towards the end of the season, but they're going to be tested. Uh, they've been uh, really good defensively, which is why I've carried them so far. I, I really hope they do well um, because you have Miami Heat chasing them. In terms of the seeding, like Miami's like almost right there, Boston's coming, Toronto can't be slapped on. Uh, even the Washington Wizards, another thing that I'm looking forward to seeing how the Wizards finish up because I was really bullish on the Washington Wizards, um, but they've been playing better as of late. Doesn't mean that they'll, they'll make the postseason, but they're gonna be an interesting team to watch, um, especially uh, to see what they do because the NBA trade deadline is also like you know in play and. You know, Bradley Beal wants to be in Washington, but we're gonna we're gonna see how that works out. Uh, but really hope the Knicks continue to win games and and be a factor. 
at least for the in-play tournament that's expected to happen this in the NBA season, at least be part of the in-play tournament. That would be a win in itself. Now on the Western Conference side, I'm really excited to see what the Phoenix Suns do. The Suns have been playing pretty good basketball. Chris Paul and Devin Booker have started to collect together more and more. We're seeing this team play hard. They're being competitive. Um, you can see guys stepping up in different roles. Uh, I really want to see what the Phoenix Suns can do. Can they keep, can they keep up this momentum? Um, because you know, a lot of teams, um, a lot sorry, a lot of people aren't giving the Phoenix Suns a lot of chances in the postseason. Um, and I really want to see what they do against uh, you know higher competition. I think that will be the, the way to judge the Phoenix Suns. They're a young team. They're a young team that um, is, is going the right direction. You're seeing progress from Aiton, um, you know Booker as well. It's going to come down to how well do these uh, players step up when it's time. The Suns haven't been in the postseason for a long time, so getting there is one thing, and how they look will be really interesting to watch as well. The Utah Jazz, um, despite their recent losing stretch of games. They're still a very formidable team. They have the best record in the NBA, as far as I know. That has not changed one bit. Um, so we are going to find out a lot about the Utah Jazz because, you know, a good case could be made that, um, you know, in the All-Star game, based on how they were selected at the end, even though LeBron James really didn't, you know, LeBron James is joking around, and I believe him, but, like, the Utah Jazz just haven't been relevant as, as much as they are right now. And so, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, I really want to see them take off and do well. And like I said, the Utah Jazz have to show up in the postseason, make a run at it. That's where they're really going to make people, uh, you know, quiet up. Is if they can go on a run and reach the Western Conference Finals, that would be a huge thing for the Utah Jazz. So I'm sure they're definitely going to be looking for that opportunity for sure. Aside from that, I think uh, you definitely want to see what happens with the Boston Celtics. This is a crucial year for Brad Stevens and this team. Uh, we know the kind of young talent that Boston has had, but they haven't been able to win. Uh, they haven't been able to win uh, in terms of like getting to the into the NBA Finals. They've been very close to the East, you know many trips to the Eastern Conference Finals, um, but we know that they are. Definitely uh, at a position right now where all this young talent on this team that the Celtics do have, they do have to be able to get it done. And so hopefully Tatum really rises up. Uh, Brad Stevens continues to coach well because if the Celtics, you know, don't look good or fall short once again uh, in terms of like how they look against a you know quality Eastern Conference opponent, that will be an interesting decision for Danny Ainge and that team. Uh, we're bringing to the Clippers. The Clippers are, you know, an interesting team this year. Uh, I've talked about before in the past, the Clippers are going to be judged, in my view, on what they do in the postseason. Uh, I really want to see what Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are going to do uh, when it comes time for the postseason. We know exactly what happened last year in the bubble. They are looking to get off that, you know, that talk. Uh, Kawhi Leonard... And Paul George. Right now, when you look at it, everybody's talking about the Brooklyn Nets, the Los Angeles Lakers, and the Utah Jazz. The Clippers, 
where are they in the conversation? And I'm sure that is fueling them. And I really want to see Kawhi Leonard and Paul George do something about it because that's going to bring out the best that we want to see. We, do, we want to see great, great basketball. We want to see the LA teams go at it. We want to see great competition, great effort. And Paul George, Kawhi Leonard owe us for, from last year because everybody was saying the Clippers were the best team and then the Nuggets happened to them and they weren't able to meet the Lakers in the conference finals. Um, so the Clippers with Ty Lu and this team, uh, there's pressure on them. I will still say their biggest issue is that they don't have a point guard. I don't, I'm not saying that Patrick Beverly is a scrub. <laughs> I'm using Stephen A's word here, but Patrick Beverly is not a scrub. Uh, he's a solid, great defensive guy, but he cannot give you any kind of offense on a consistent basis. Lou Williams is a nice player, but he hasn't been able to shine as much. Reggie Jackson, decent player, but I haven't seen enough from him. I don't think the Clippers are going far unless their outside shooting improves. And Jackson and Beverly are part of that. Now, Nicholas Batum could probably do some good things, which he's been able to do. Ibaka could probably step up. But I'm looking at their shooting, and I just don't see it. I don't see it being that great enough to knock off a team like the Lakers or the Utah Jazz. As of right now, as of right now, I'm saying that. So the Clippers are a team to watch out for as well in the second half of the NBA season. You know, we're going to find out a lot about this Clippers team. And like I said, Paul George is there for the long term. Kawhi Leonard, different story. Different story for Kawhi Leonard. We're going to find out, you know, what he's really going to do. And he's going to have to back it up this year with his play. Um, because we know what kind of image we have from like last year in the postseason, whatever happened. You want to see a Kawhi Leonard come out and be much better. Because the Clippers are going to, you know, he, if the Clippers want to re-sign him. He's going to have to show up and get them to the promised land, um, you know, this year. And that brings me to the Milwaukee Bucks. Giannis has been uh, doing a great job, the Milwaukee Bucks, this year. They've been kind of flying under the radar a little bit because of all the noise on the Nets and the Sixers. Um, Giannis is here for the long term in, in Milwaukee. He chose to sign with the Bucks long term where he had many other opportunities to maybe test free agency go somewhere else he chose Milwaukee Drew Holiday Chris Middleton uh, these are two guys that you know in running along you know Giannis really have to show up and step up and the Bucks have been really close uh, but they haven't been able to get there they have not been able to get there um to the NBA Finals and I think that Giannis is so exceptional as a player uh, this team can be great they just have to keep on building and winning around Giannis and Giannis the biggest thing is his health his health and his availability is the biggest thing for the Bucks. so they have to make sure they are able to maximize him keep him like ready and refreshed for the postseason I think that's really important and I hope that the Bucks definitely do that because, like I said, playing him a lot of minutes is great, but you gotta save him and unleash him in the postseason. I'm not saying they have to bench him or anything like that. I'm not, I wouldn't say that, but I'm saying, look, the Bucks have tried something different. They gotta try something different. So they are, you know, obviously, Bullenhoser is trying different things with this team right now. They're gonna have to sacrifice some of that defense to be great offensively. What's 
was held the Milwaukee back was held the Milwaukee Bucks back I believe in the last two years is their offense and so they gotta shoot more threes they gotta get more offensive get more creative in their offensive sets um, because they're going to have to win and score and uh, which they've shown that this year but they're gonna have to do that a lot more against the Brooklyn Nets and the Sixers in the postseason. So in this next segment, I want to continue uh, talking about NFL Free Agency 2021. And I want to focus on the cornerbacks, so the defensive backs in this year's free agency class. And so look, there's a lot of good cornerbacks that are still needed. A lot of teams are obviously cutting costs with their cap, with the, with the cap number being set. Um, it's really important that a lot of teams address their cornerback position. Now some teams are going to wait till the draft to do it, but we know that there are some good ones out there. Um, that were teams going after and I think that you know a lot of these teams last year in the postseason uh, you know definitely had some good cornerback play others you know were able to scheme in a certain way um, but I'll, I'll come down to the fit and the scheme and I think that there's a lot of good cornerbacks that could be had in free agency and I want to go over some of them right now because I think that they are worth talking about uh, especially with the way that the position has changed so much it's really valuable to have a lockdown corner someone who can really fit your scheme well make plays because defense I said defense wins championships and that's been the case for a long time I'm gonna say it again that's that's the old saying and it's gonna change based on the year obviously but you know, you need cornerbacks. You need guys who can cover. And a lot of teams have struggled in, the, in pass coverage throughout last season. I think that reinforcements are definitely needed. So the first free agent cornerback that I want to talk about is Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman is 33, coming off an injury-plagued uh, season, which, you know, a lot of the 49ers were, were hurt this past year, and Sherman was one of them. He was only able to play in some games, uh, as far as I remember. And... I'll be honest to admit, I really never liked Richard Sherman in the beginning of his career. I always felt like Richard Sherman was, I always felt like Richard Sherman was just so talkative and like too brash, and I really just did not like talking about Richard Sherman or seeing him on TV. Um, but you know, as you kind of see the player and go through the years and stuff, you kind of grow to like respect the person's skills and player. And you know, Richard Sherman has definitely done a lot in his career. In terms of like his production, his play, um, and he's been a great leader. He's been a great leader, a good voice um, for you know change and you know talking with the community and other things like that. Uh, definitely uh, someone that can definitely provide great you know experience and, and leadership and, and advice on certain things. And so I think he can definitely help a team, uh, even with you know being in his, the age that he is right now. I think he still has the, the skills to be effective. He still has the skills to be effective. Um, and like I said, he really had a good time with the 49ers. I mean, he really helped that defense be 
elite uh, in a lot of ways. He made some interceptions, some good tackles, uh, had some key fumbles. He definitely uh, stepped up and, and was a really a good player. So where do I think he's going to go? I think a, one good spot is obviously the New York Jets because of Robert Sala being there as head coach and being his defensive coordinator with the 49ers. I mean, you need players to run your scheme on defense, and I think that Richard Sherman would be a nice fit for the New York Jets, especially with a team that needs to get better in the secondary. Uh, Richard Sherman could definitely provide that, uh, at least be a good imp- good um, be a good um, you know veteran for some of the other teams out there, or sorry for the other like teammates out there. The Jets are going to be probably like bringing in like other cornerbacks and stuff like that. So he would be a great voice for that defense, bring some confidence, bring some like seriousness to that team. Um, he definitely fits the mold. I think another good spot for him would be the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, the Colts may not be able to like retain their free agents this year who are cornerbacks. So Richard Sherman being there with Darius Leonard and that defense that's been really good. Uh, he would definitely help their back end a lot because the Colts definitely have uh, struggled at times being able to contain uh, certain wide receivers. And Sherman would definitely, you know, be able to lock down and play, play, a, you know, a good scheme there with the with the Colts. So I think that would be a nice fit. And then the other team that comes to mind for me is the Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders need help everywhere on defense. And like I said, the AFC West is going to get more and more better. Kelsey is not going anywhere. Tyreek Hill is not going anywhere. Mahomes not going anywhere. So you need, if you want to make a run to the postseason, which the Raiders have failed to do under John Gruden so far, get players on defense. Get impact players. Get the kind of players who can, like, give you something. And Richard Sherman on that defense could definitely help a lot of things um, you know, steer in the right direction with the Raiders defense because they have not been the same since Khalil Mack left. They've been trying to find a good pass rush and their secondary has been in flux a lot. Uh, and they got to be able to hit on their like, decisions going forward. And I think that Richard Sherman is someone that they should definitely consider uh, bringing in. The next cornerback that is available is Malcolm Butler. Malcolm Butler was cut by the Tennessee Titans um, after a really good uh, season, actually, which he played pretty well. Um, I'm surprised they cut him, but his business is in the NFL, and Tennessee's trying to cut money so they can save under the cap. And a tough decision, but he's age of 30, you know, 31 now, and you know, Butler is someone who really made a name for himself, undrafted, you know. Uh, made his mark with the Patriots and that interception he had. Um, he's been a really solid player, and he's won, obviously, with the Patriots. So he's definitely a player that still has a lot left in him. Uh, I think that he is someone that teams should definitely consider going after. Um, a couple of teams that come to mind, um, you know. Well, before I get into that, the biggest thing with him, although, is like, his consistency and what I mean by that is that you know with cornerbacks it's all about how well do you defend and how well you get turnovers and so Butler you know he's someone that needs to be healthy obviously because he did miss some time last year 
Um, but he's got to be able to, you know, keep on adapting to the game and, and be able to to make like those kind of plays because as good as cornerbacks are, sometimes they're judged by their performance and, and how they do. And you know, some teams are just looking to get younger at the position, so they they just try to find the next guy who's who's more like skilled or younger. And I think that for Malcolm Butler, he's gonna have to find a way to just continue to be available, to be healthy, and he's. He's got to show up and, and win and win against those matchups because I think a lot of times there were times where he got beat, you know. So he's got to be able to get bounced back, and I think a new a new scenery, a new a new team will definitely bring that. So the best spot for him, and there's a couple of possible de- de- destinations for him. I think the Cardinals make a lot of sense. Patrick Pearson, uh, you know, is expected to be back with the Arizona Cardinals. Um, as far as I know, but you know things could always change with him. Uh, and he still has it, so the Cardinals could definitely go after him. He would be a nice fit there, playing with um, you know that defense that has J.J. Watt now. I mean, that would be a nice spot for him to go. The Las Vegas Raiders, once again, I think they should be interested in Malcolm Butler as well. Um, because they need help in that position really, really badly. And they're looking to win right now and get to the postseason, then he's worth taking a shot for. I think they should definitely consider him. Definitely consider him because he is going to give them something better than they had the previous year. The Cowboys make sense for Malcolm Butler as well. And the reason why I say that is because the Cowboys may not be able to retain their cornerbacks they had last season. and Their defense needs a world of help. Um, and I think Malcolm Butler being there would definitely help them in the secondary. At least give them somebody who they can use in a variety of ways. At least have somebody who can cover. Because this, because Malcolm Butler can still do a good job. Based on what I've seen, You know, he can still cover really well. He can cover pretty well. Um, and that's the biggest thing is that the Cowboys allowed a lot of big plays last year. They allowed a lot of big plays last year, and I think Butler would be able to contain uh, and at least limit those matchups to some extent, so they should definitely think about him. And finally, a team that he should probably consider more as he goes through this region process is the, the Chiefs. The Chiefs, um, you know, they definitely need help. In that secondary, Tyron Matthew can cannot do everything. They have some decent players there, but based on how they looked in the Super Bowl, I think they need Malcolm Butler there, somebody who can like excel in that Steve Spagnuolo defense or whoever is the defensive coordinator, uh, because the Chiefs have really struggled in that position. Uh, they've obviously injuries and in health have played a role in that, but. You need somebody who can be a good one there in the division with, you know, the Chargers ascending and the Raiders going after it. You need guys who can cover, and the Chiefs definitely, uh, definitely need to address that. I think that Malcolm Butler would be a good fit there as well. The next cornerback that I want to talk about is William Jackson the third. Now, I don't think a lot of people have heard of this name because one. He was part of the Cincinnati Bengals for the past two, three years. Um, and we know the state of the Bengals in the NFL right now. Uh, although things are trending in the right direction with Joe Burrow as their quarterback now. Um, so William Jackson, third. I mean, he's been a really solid cornerback. 
for the Cincinnati Bengals. He's been one of their bright spots, um, I would say, on the team. 28 has a really uh, been consistent, uh, you know, throughout the year, throughout the years. He can really play man-to-man coverage well, um, and he's had really an outstanding journey. Um, and he's definitely going to get his pay, uh, you know, his pay due now, you know, getting a contract, which he deserves because he's been really reliable. He's gone up against a lot of opponents, and um, in terms of, like, numbers against him and stuff, he's really done a good job uh, on, on those fronts. So I think a couple of spots for him. Uh, number one, I think the Minnesota Vikings. Mike Zimmer and the Vikings were really good a couple of years ago because of their defense, and they could cover. Uh, last year, they weren't able to cover so well. They struggled in, in some of the situations. They need to get somebody like William Jackson who can like instantly help Mike Zimmer run his defense better and produce results because Zimmer could be on the hot seat for the Minnesota Vikings after this season. So they definitely need to address that defense for sure. Um... I think another team that comes to mind, like I said, I keep going back to it, but I think the Las Vegas Raiders and Denver Broncos should be interested in William Jackson. Now, the Broncos, particularly because the Broncos were good when they had a nice secondary. And they had a top-notch defense with pass rushes in their secondary when they created a man they won. And I think that the Broncos have kind of fallen off of that. They need to get this right. I think William Jackson would be great. Have a great pickup for the Broncos. Working with Vic Vangio, that would be nice. The Raiders, because they need help at that position, and he's a lot of, he's a lot of upside in that position as well. I overall think another team that should consider him um, is the Chargers. The Chargers um, are going to have a lot of turnover at that position, and I think they, are, they should definitely consider bringing him in because that secondary has been through a lot of injuries and just scheme wise and I think Brandon Staley the new head coach there needs all the help that he can get because you know he was coming over from the Rams with number one defense and he had good cornerbacks and I think that William Jackson would be a good fit with the Chargers um, I, 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 I know I just mentioned all three of the AFC West teams but I think that's a really a good spot for him to go um, now the there could be a team in the NFC East that may be interested in William Jackson, but it's going to come down to the market and how it all unfolds. And right now, I just see him staying in the AFC and going to the AFC West, potentially. The next cornerback that I want to talk about is Mike Hilton. Mike Hilton um, has been with the Steelers for quite some time. He's gotten better every season. Uh, he's been really outstanding at times. Um, I think he had a couple of games where he had like multi-interceptions. Uh, he can definitely do a lot with his play, um, his production, his skills. Um, he can he has good recovery speed after getting beat. And the Steelers do have to prioritize their secondary because their defense has been going up uh, the past couple of seasons. So they'll be wise to keep um, you know Hilton. But if you know if Mike Hilton does not end up staying with the Steelers I think a good spot for him is the 49ers because that defense definitely uh, needs to get back to playing 
really, really well, and they need guys who are available and ready to produce. And I think that he would be good, good there uh, once Richard Sherman is gone from there. The Titans should also consider going after Hilt, Mike Hilton. Uh, you know, they're going to have some decent cornerbacks there, but you know, you want to be able to get somebody who's like can can, can produce and and really do a good job and. Tennessee's definitely going to need that, uh, especially with the Colts and how they're going to progress this year with their situation. I mean, Tennessee needs good back-end coverage, and I think Hilton will pr- pr- provide that. Uh, the Washington football team is also a spot for Mike Hilton. It's because that defense is ascending, um, but their their defensive line is really formidable, and I think that the only thing that's a weakness on that team could be their secondary and the big plays. So I think Hilton being there in the NFC East, it would be do great things for that Washington defense. They'd be able to build upon the confidence they had last year. Which now brings me to my final cornerback that I want to talk about is Troy Hill. Troy Hill, um, you know, age 29, has been with the LA Rams for a number of years. Uh, the Rams may bring him back but they're going to have to obviously factor in a lot of things before they do that because of the cap situation, Matthew Stafford. Um, I think that, you know, with Troy Hill, he's been able to show up and play really well in zone. Um, and he's been able to make plays. He had a nice play against Russell Wilson in the NFC playoff game. Um, he's been really good on the football, and the Rams were a good defense for a reason. And he's definitely somebody who able to limit big plays, keep guys in front of him. And I think he would be a really good fit for Jacksonville. The Jaguars definitely need to find a way to be competitive again. And it starts with that defense getting some pieces there. So I think he would be a good fit there. The Cleveland Browns should consider Troy Hill. Uh, Denzel Ward is amazing at what he does, but he needs help on the other side. And I think that Troy Hill, with his experience, could be really good there. Um... Buffalo Bills are also a team that should consider Troy Hill if they can afford him um, because their secondary, their defense is ascending as well. They were really good last year, um, but I think they're going to, I think next year the Bills are going to be really targeted a lot in the secondary. And I think that, you know, a lot of teams are going to try to go after their cornerbacks. And Josh Norman is there, um, but you need somebody who can step up and, and play well in the scheme but Sean McDermott in that defense I think that Troy Hill could definitely make an impact there in Buffalo next year as well